I was going to teach this morning on Revelation 4, verse 1, and um, I, I was all prepped up, prepped all yesterday, and last night uh, we were watching um, uh, Scotty, uh, Kelsey and Trevor's little baby girl, and um, Larry and Blanc are here as well, and she, all these grandkids just, they, they steal your heart, but um, Scotty looks a lot like Kelsey did when she was about one years old, and um, I, was, I was having a challenging day, just a kind of a little bit of a rough day. Um, I don't have children, but I have a dog, and he was demon-possessed yesterday, and, <laughs> and um, I don't know what it was, man. I just was having a, just a rough day, and um, Scotty came over, and we were watching her, and um, I walked in the kitchen, and I saw Lori holding her on her hip and doing all this stuff. I don't know how she has seven hands but she's doing all this stuff, and it moved me. And I, I just, uh, I went and I, I read Proverbs 31. And uh, this morning I read Proverbs 31. And this morning we're going to be in Proverbs 31. So let's turn our Bibles over to Proverbs 31. And just as I was looking at this as well, I, I keep meticulous notes when I teach, and I... Um, I, I was like, well, when is the last time I went through this with the body? And it was almost eight years ago. And I thought about how this church over the last eight years has matured and blossomed and grown in so many unique ways. And I thought about some of the young mommies right now um, that I know. I've dedicated many of their kids. I performed their, officiated their weddings. And I thought, wow, eight years ago, many of them weren't even married and um, Proverbs 31, by the way, is not just for mothers. It talks about the virtuous woman. Um, but I believe there's great insight for all of us. Well, we've all, of course, been born into this world. So somewhere along that line, we can go, hey, I've got a mom. And I know that on Mother's Day, um, it is a day of celebration. It is a day, as Chad was humorously saying, where even reluctant teenagers will go and sit with their, their mom. And I'm going to say it this way, I'm a little bit older. Reluctant husbands will go and sit with their wives uh, in church on, on Mother's Day. There's just something about honoring a mother. Um, and I know that it could be a difficult day if you were raised by quite possibly a home that, well, your, your biological mother wasn't there. Maybe you were fostered. Maybe you were adopted. Maybe... You're at a stage in life where your mother is no longer alive. And, and, and these can be challenging things. You might have had a challenging mother where you, 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 you want to celebrate, but there's dynamics. We all have some level of dysfunction in our lives. Amen? Can I hear an amen? amen. We're all a bunch of dysfunctional, thirsty people coming to the same well saying, Lord, help us. So I think it, it applies, and it applies to men as well, because the, the wisdom imparted here is really aimed at a son. And so as we, we go through this, there is great insight for young men who would be aspiring one day to be a husband, a father themselves, or young women even, who are aspiring to be married and be a mother themselves. Great insight for parents right now, all, all the way across the board. Great insight for grandparents. I love 
many things about our relationship with the Lord, but I love these ideas, these promises, these principles in God's word where he's never done with us. His mercy is new every day. Anybody understand how important that is today? That, that we wake up to a merciful God, a gracious God, a loving God, that his love will never end. And, and so matter, no matter where we are in our journey of life, maybe we're not married yet or just married or just about to have children or desire to have children, whatever we are, parents or grandparents or great-grandparents or great-great, I believe God is the God of the now. He's the God of the, like, let's get it together now. Maybe you're the one, it's on your watch that the Lord will line your family up with his word. Maybe it's on, it wasn't, your parents didn't do so well, or grandparents, or whatever it might be, or maybe you struggled up until this point. But God is the God of now, and as we read his word, we should always read it with those kind of eyes, like, you can make me this now. You can do this in me now, no matter where we are in this um, journey called life. So Proverbs 31, fascinating, fascinating passage. Um, Solomon explains... Um, why the, the, the book of Proverbs was written back in chapter 1, verse 2 through 7. He talks about, you know, to know wisdom and instruction. To know means to understand it, to understand wisdom. And the word wise or wisdom throughout the book of Proverbs is, um, it's, it, it's written down over 125 times. Knowledge is important. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the three levels of knowledge, the explicit knowledge. What is that? That's what we're reading right now. It's something that is written down. It's factual. It's tangible. You can quote it. There's evidence to it. You can read it and, and repeat it. It's documented. We will say that today the Bible says that is explicit knowledge. And there's tacit knowledge. And tacit knowledge is knowledge that comes from experience. The word knowledge in the Greek is gnosis. And if you wanted to talk about knowledge that you gain through experience, you put epi in front of it, epigenosis. That's tacit knowledge. It's knowledge that you've gained through the experience of life, through the experience of an experience or a circumstance. And then there's implicit knowledge, and this is the application of knowledge. And that's what wisdom is. Wisdom isn't just the accumulation of knowledge, it's the proper use of knowledge. And so as we go through the book of Proverbs, the, the beginning of knowledge, it says, is the, the fear of God is the beginning of, of wisdom. The, the, the understanding who God is and having an awe and a reverence for who he is, what he says, what he commands. That's the beginning. You gotta believe that he is. What he says, you gotta believe it. What he says to do, you gotta believe it enough to do it. When you do it, and you believe what he says, and you put into practice what he says, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. In the biblical use of that word, that is wisdom. And so as we move into Proverbs, 31, 
We, we move into the realm of motherhood. We move into the realm of parenting. We move, in, we move into the realm of, of marriage. And today, in the body of Christ, there are all kinds of different views that have crept in on all of this. Even as we are now grandparenting and we're watching the, the generation behind us, our kids, and we're watching how they approach parenting. Lori and I, when we, we, we started that whole journey of parenting, we were completely clueless. I remember bringing Kayla home and going, I can't believe they entrusted this little life to us. Where's the instruction manual? But God knows what he's doing, amen? And, and with God, he can work with any vessel that is pliable. He can work with any parent, any mom, any grandparent, any father, any future spouse who is pliable, who will fear him. In other words, I could get up here and I could give you my view on marriage, and you can give me your view. That doesn't matter. As Christians, I'm like, it just doesn't matter. My personal view, your personal view on marriage doesn't matter. Follow me. I'm not done. Some of you are like, wait a minute. My view on parenting. Yeah, I, I'm 63, and I've raised three girls, and, and I'm still raising them in some ways. But, but the, the, my view on parenting, your view on parenting, it doesn't matter. But we have so many strong views. Talk to these young parents today. Their view on kids' schedule, their view on, on discipline, their view on what's best for the kid, their view on what's best for the family. Listen to them. They have an opinion. They have a view. They have a podcast driving them. They have an app driving them. Even while the babies are in the womb, they have all the apps driving everything. They have, they have their pediatricians driving they have all of the input of, of their culture driving their view on what it means to be a parent. None of that matters. The only thing that matters as a Christian is God's view on marriage and parenting. And if, if you will line, if you will, <laughs> this is the, the, the more mature crowd here. I don't know where we're going next service. Pray for me. But if you will open your heart Trust God enough. I trust you, God, with what you say about a virtuous woman. For the woman that hears that, she'd go, I just want to be that. I don't care if I'm a great-grandmother. I'll start today. Or I'm not yet a mother. I'll start pursuing that today. For a young man who's not married, if you will open your heart up and say, that's the kind of woman that God wants for me. As parents, we're going to learn just some insights. But let's, just, let's just go there. What, what are some of these nuggets that, that God would call virtuous? If we just open up to that, we will have the life, the marriage, and the family that he's designed for us. A life that's right. As I walk out here and I dedicate these babies, I hold them and, and I, I just say to you guys, sometimes I get so emotional because I've possibly married their parents and 
and seeing their kids come, them come up in our own youth group, and I just said, this is just right. This is what God does when people will fear God. He'll bring the right spouse into their life. And he begins to, to bless them and add children to them and grow a family and all of these things that, you know, when you get a little bit older, you look back over life and what really matters and you just go, Jesus at the center of your life, your marriage, and your family is all that matters. So, with that brief introduction, the words of King Lemuel the utterance which his mother taught him. What, my son, and what, son of my womb, and what, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. The book of Proverbs addresses all kinds of women. The immoral woman, the noisy woman, the contentious woman, the foolish woman, the rebellious woman, the quarrelsome woman. And here at the close of this book, a positive, the focus, a virtuous woman. Solomon had already said in Proverbs 12, 14, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. 18, 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 19, 14, a prudent wife is from the Lord. And here we read through this. Lemuel, most likely King Solomon, not sure, but if it is, Lemuel was probably the name most scholars believe given to him by his mom. This mother directing her son in ways that he would know the Lord, understand the ways of the Lord, and commit his life to just that. And so in verses 2 and 3, she'll be like, pursue chastity. Verses 4 through 7, avoid debauchery. 8 through 9, rule justly. The most important ministry mothers and fathers have is the spiritual training of their children to help them develop their, their children's faith. Second Timothy, you remember Paul was reflecting on the genuine faith of, of young Timothy, and he noted in 2 Timothy 1.5 that the genuine faith that was in Timothy was a faith which dwelt first in his grandmother Lois and in his mother Eunice. Genuine faith. Don't give your strength to a woman nor your ways to that which destroys kings. You know what she's saying to her son, her young son? Avoid Sinful relationships. So a grandparent hears that right now that's raising their youngins. How important is it that we, we model that, we teach that, and we instill that in our grandkids? Parents, no matter where you're at, model that. Teach that. 
and instill that in your children. Avoid sinful relationships, especially those sensual relationships that will sap your strength and your vigor. It will have a really negative impact on your life. And then in verses 4 and 5, avoid debauchery. Stay away from intoxicating drink. It will cause you to forget the law. It's going to make you act unlawful. Don't do anything. Don't consume anything. Don't put anything in you that will lead you to acting in an unlawful, undignified way. It will cause you to pervert justice. It's going to dull your judgment. And I know today we're living in, a, in Orange County where in, in pulpits like ours that are bold and give the common, clear, bold warnings in God's word relating to alcohol that people squirm. And I'm not here to make this all about alcohol. I'm here to preach and teach God's word. And, and where God's word gives warning, I would open my heart to that warning. Anything that would be as clear as, like, like, stay away from this, Lance. Stay away from intoxicating drink. Man, it's just going to mess with your mind and have you just work out and live out and do unlawful things and act in undignified ways. It will dull your judgment and, 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 and dull your ability to enact judge, justice. Giving strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter heart of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. In 6 and 7, you know, others, son, use alcohol for medicinal purposes, whatnot. But as for you, think of what God was calling this young man to be. He would be a king. Think of the influence that he would have as a, as, a, as a husband, as a father, and as a king. Others use alcohol for medicinal purposes, but you, as for you as a leader, I'm advising you stay away from that. It is not for you. Then open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth Judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. Interesting. Be just to people. She reminds him to be others-minded. It's amazing what kind of life a person lives when they get past themselves. They're not selfish or self-centered. Especially in a place of influence as a husband. Can I hear an amen, wives? <laughs> as a father, as a grandfather, as a leader of any capacity, to be others-minded, to be compassionate, to treat people in your life fairly, and to defend the helpless. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm, as I'm getting older, I just, I get, I get compassionate. I just, more, more things bother me. Even this morning, a bird got in our house. 
My dog, I have a Labrador. He hunts birds. It's just not a good combination. So the demon-possessed dog yesterday had a bird in the house today. And so I'm like running around trying to get the dog, but the bird hits a window. I know. There's the other softies in the room. And I pick up the dead bird, and I'm like, oh, you're so stupid. That wasn't compassionate, but from my heart, I meant it. Like, it's interesting that as Solomon grew older, he was others-minded. 1 Kings 3, Solomon was on track. He was loving the Lord, walking in the ways of the Lord as he was sacrificing to God in Gibeon. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and said, ask what you wish and I'll give it to you. Solomon basically said, I'm young and I don't have a clue on what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm still saying that at 63. <laughs> Therefore, give your servant, though, he says, understanding, an understanding heart to judge your people. What an interesting thing to ask for. So others-minded. That I may be discerned between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? And Solomon would be an incredible blessing to others in the first half of his 40-year reign. And so just that insight, and then... That it shifts here, you know, like 10 practical qualities of this mom of a virtuous woman that she would be or she wants her, 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 her son to find. Number one, faith. That kind of woman, find that kind of woman that seeks God's word and his ways. She'll talk about that. Marriage, she's going to say, find a woman that respects her husband, does him good as a helpmate. Mothering should bring up that. Make sure you find one that nurtures and teaches the children and trains them in the way they should go. Make sure you find a woman that's healthy and health conscious. She takes care of herself as well. And she prepares healthy food for her family. And then this whole idea of being service-minded, serving her husband and her family and her, her friends and neighbors. He's gonna, she's going to... We're going to hear, hear it talk about the, 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 the virtuous woman being faithful with finances and doing things with the approval of her husband, which means she's there to complete him, not compete with him. A homemaker, uh, just one with time, great steward of time, the beauty that, that, you know, the inner beauty that comes from knowing God. All of these, these, these things are important. And as we go through this next section, I want you to understand it's written in a way that in the Hebrew mind, they were big in, in memorizing. If you sat underneath a rabbi, you were sitting underneath someone that had a great portion of the Torah memorized. There's something about instilling God's word and getting God's word in the heart that helps us live it, it out. And so oftentimes... We'll find in Proverbs or in some of the Psalms, they're written by virtue of an acrostic. What's that mean? If we followed the English alphabet um, and we wrote a, 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 a sentence with a following sentence and a following sentence, we would start each sentence with a, a succeeding letter. So the first sentence would start with an A. 
The second sentence would start with the B. The third sentence would start with the C. And it was written down in such a way, it was laid out in such a way that you could memorize it. And so, as the, the Spirit of God would, how important being a virtuous woman is and how important finding a virtuous woman is. Just the, the, the family and the marriage and the passing on of the succession of godliness and godly influence was pinned down in such a way that it was repeatable. You could memorize it. You could, you could get it in your heart and in your mind and remember these things. And it's like a constitution for the marriage, a constitution for the family. And so the acrostic arrangement, of course, using the Hebrew alphabet, the first beginning with uh, Elaf and then the second beginning with Beth. I don't read Hebrew. I don't know Hebrew. I'm just reading my notes. Please don't think that I'm uh, trying to wow anybody here. Just an example. But for a young man, it would have been a checklist. And it would have been very, very important. And may, may I just, as I read through this, as I've taught it many times, I just want you to know, um, we know this, but I'm going to say it. How many of you guys know there are no perfect women? Men, don't raise your hands. This is for the women. It'd be a long Mother's Day if you raise your hand. Okay? Let's do it this way. Women, how many of you women know there are no perfect men? Man, those hands went up boldly. There are no perfect people, no perfect men, no perfect women. Right? Remember that joke? I've read it a bunch of times. I'll read it again for any of you that are new here. It's... Um, Adam was walking with his sons, Cain and Abel. They passed by the ruins of the Garden of Eden. One of the boys asked, what's that? And Adam replied, boys, that's where your mother ate us out of house and home, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> we could start this in a most a humorous, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all kind of jacked up. We all, no one's perfect. And so verse 10, who could find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. We look at who she is in marriage. Any of you young straplings out there, you guys that are like, man, I've been praying. Maybe, maybe you're not praying for a wife yet, uh, but, but someone's praying for your wife. I can guarantee you that. And, and, and you can even flip this, the spouse. I prayed for all the girls to find godly men. And I know that my parents prayed. And whoever your spouse might be, know that, that there's parents and grandparents that are praying for you. you. You might not even know who your spouse is, but there might be a generation of family members and that have already been praying for you. You don't even, the connection's not made, but, but God is so faithful to, you know, work through prayer, the web of prayer, I call it, in, in lining up our lives. But getting back to the, you know, what does it mean to be virtuous? Webster says, it speaks of moral excellence in character. It's being moral, it's being ethical, it's being righteous, it's being noble, it's being blameless. It speaks of one who wishes to be righteous before God and the world. 
A virtuous person is one who keeps themselves from anything petty, mean, dubious in conduct or in character. This is why it says a virtuous wife's worth is far above rubies. Because she is virtuous and industrious, the heart of her husband safely trusts her. So he will, in verse 11, have no lack of gain. And the idea is that she will be, she's faithful, she's responsible when it comes to their resources. She's frugal, she, she, she knows her limits. She won't have to, you know, take on a second job to keep up with all of the spending. And all of this makes her husband value her. And he, and he trusts her with no reservation. Like the husband who said, my wife is so careful about spending that she insisted we use only 29 candles on her 40th birthday cake. I like that. <laughs> Verse 12, she does him good and not evil. All the days of her life. In good times, bad times, springtime, youthful romance, in the aging years, and in every season, in every stage, the idea is that she is consistent in her character towards her husband and what God has called her to be as a wife. She's consistent in pursuing his best interest at each stage of their life. So her love, changeless, doesn't lessen. It's not redirected. It stays focused. It grows. She fully justifies the confidence he's placed in her as his bride. Marriage is a matter of the heart. There's got to be true love between husband and wife. How many of you guys know a happy home doesn't just happen? We have about 10 happy homes here in the first service. It takes a lot of work, a lot of prayer, and a lot of persistence. I had a call from a good friend of mine. I grew up with him. I met him when I was 11 or 12. Went to church with him junior high and high school and on to college. His dad was our pastor. And he called me out of the blue yesterday. And he just says, I had this dream. You were in it. I won't tell you all the dream, but as we went through this discussion, my friend Robert, he says, Lance, I want you to know I love you. And he goes, I'm proud of you. I'm watching. I'm following you in your world. And I know you follow me in my world. We haven't talked for a while. And he goes, but the Lord, he's a year older than me. He says, the Lord has really given me you know, five things to pursue in this season of my life. And he goes, at the top of the list is more time with him. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's profound. And he goes, guys like you and I, because he's a pastor as well, and he's planted churches, and he says, we spent a lot of our time prepping and 
the list of pastorate stuff came up, and he says, but as we're getting older, time with the Lord instills the character of the Lord. And the next thing on my list is to invest more with my wife and to invest more with my kids and to invest more with my family, my grandkids, and to invest more with the people that are coming to our churches. And he goes, but what I invest, I want it to be more of him, so I have to get number one right. I want my wife to have more of him through me. I want my kids and my, and I just, it hit me. I was like, that's exactly right. He moves on in this, the industrious side in verse 13. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar off. It's just this, it's, it's a, the kind of a woman, this virtuous woman, that just makes sure there's an ample supply of what the family needs at every stage along the way. Maybe in the marriage before the kids. Maybe when the kids come, and that is a challenge. You know, Lori and I, when we watch the grandkids now, even last night I, when, when they picked up um, Scotty, I just went, how did we do it with three? I'm dead tired. <laughs> and and the, the joy and all of that, there's, a, there's even a really, I don't know, I don't want to say a greater joy. It's a great joy when they, your, your grandkids hand off to you. You're like, here, watch, they're happy and you're playing and everything. And you, you, you do, it's, it's, it's tiring stuff, man. And then there's a great joy being there, but then there's the greater joy when they come, you're like, here you go. Here you go. Because now they're, you're just excited that they are becoming and they are embracing what God has called them to be as well. But she's like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar off. In other words, she'll travel. She'll do whatever she needs to do, whatever is necessary to sustain the household, her part, whatever stage that is, Whatever her capacity is, whatever the resources are, she's making the most of that to sustain the family, to give them what will keep them healthy and, and, and secure, and all of that, that would be entrusted to a wife. Verse 15, she also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maids, uh, maidservants. Um, though she even, the picture is, the, even though she has help, she's at a stage where, in that culture as well, she's a maidservant, she has help and whatnot. Um, she gets up early before daybreak. She, she's the kind of woman that attacks the day. She's disciplined in, in, in rising up to what God has entrusted to her. Um, discipline to where she's going to get up and, and, and the preparation, the, the, whatever the family needs. And I know when you start raising those young ones, man, it is, they'll keep you up all night, number one, so you're dead tired in the morning. And then they get up like with about a long list of demands and, and to, to get through that in their younger years. And then when they get to school and whatnot, and even 
Um, first service here, it's interesting, the demographic in our church, uh, we kind of study it, but we can have, I don't know, up to 500 kids, I think, uh, in our children's ministry kind of thing. Does that sound about right? I don't know. There's a lot of kids these days, but they're, they're coming back after COVID still. But, um, but I'm really impressed when I see families coming in here and the parents are holding those kids and they're walking down that hallway and they're smiling. They're smiling. I'm believing that is a genuine smile. I'm believing they didn't just sit in the car and go, hey, let's work this thing up again. Smile. Let's get it. We had a big old fight to get here. But I do know every Sunday it's a challenge. And so if you're here, you're, you're bringing your children, God sees that challenge and God sees that investment. And that is an industrious thing to be disciplined with that. And God will honor that. You will never, ever regret getting those kids ready and bringing them to the feet of Jesus to learn. You never regret that. And I'm going to say something to you, grandparents. If your children are not, you know, bringing their children to church and they're within proximity to a church, I would work that angle. I would do everything in my power to encourage them. Say, why don't you go take a brunch date with your, your spouse or whoever that is? We'll pick up the kids and we'll bring them to church. Any grandparents think that's a good idea? Some of the parents here are like, man, I'll do that every week. Yeah. And don't be cheap. Even pay for their brunch or whatever. Just get the kids. And then they'll see the change in kids. Many people have started coming to this church because their children were dropped off here at VBS or someone else took them to Sunday school and the parents saw the change in their children and it brought them around to kingdom faith. 17, she girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She's a hard worker. She's a strong worker. It means it's, it's the kind of gal you're like, that girl's in shape. She's able to work energetically and, and, and you know, all these things, and planting vineyards and all these kind of things that um, she does. I married younger. Um, if we just get practical here and, and honest here, I married younger. I married a very uh, ambitious, athletic Woman, if you guys know Lori, um, now that things have changed a little bit. How many of you guys know in your 50s, 60s, things change? Yeah, I used to be the person that was like, kick those covers off. I'm hot. She was cold. A change has happened. Change. Lots of change. But I'm finding myself now at a point where just physically and in, in there used to be a time where you go riding bikes for avid mountain bike riders and street bike riders. Well, she is in the street bike thing. And I could keep up. Or I, I, I was the pace setter. No longer am I the pace setter. And I could say that not in a, in a oh, bummer, I'm not the pace setter. No, I'm being real. I'm being honest. I, I have to understand my limitations. And, 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 and with Lori, she has to understand my limitations. And I am very grateful that I have a very energetic, ambitious, hardworking, in shape, you know, industrious, virtuous, all those things, wife. And, and you might say, well, I'm not that way. I'm not her. Or what, that, God sees you where you are. God sees you right where you are. And, and he sees your capacity. He sees your strengths. He sees your weaknesses. And, and what these scriptures should be saying to you is be virtuous. Pursue that in in realm of where you are, whatever stage, whatever age. It's never too late to embrace what God is calling you to be with your capacities um, in mind. And husbands, understand that, please. 
That's wisdom from a man. Understand that. Be gracious to that. Your, your, your wives will mature and season. They will grow older. And all these things, that's part of it as well. Verse 19, she stretches out her hands to the distaff and, her, and holds the spindle. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just like she's working on certain things, but she, even in her leisure time, she's very productive. She extends her hand to the poor, verse 20, um, reaches out her hands to the needy. You know, Solomon, find a woman that does not think of herself all of the time. 21, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. The future holds no fear for this woman. Whatever life throws at her and her family, she will be prepared and ready to face it head on. She makes tapestry in 22 for herself. It's referring to like bed coverings and whatnot and, and decorative, decorative coverings for that. She's a homemaker. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Um, purple in that day was indicative of, of, of nicer garments and whatnot. Um, so she, she didn't... Along the way, she kept herself up. Can I say that? Yeah, can I do the J. Vernon McGee thing? If the, the barn needs a painting, painting barn, you know, that kind of thing. She, 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 was, she was never stopped, you know, wanting to impress her husband or people around her with, you know, her beauty and her, the outside, if you will. And then 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. And so the gates are where all the business, um, legal stuff, and all that was um, carried on. And so the idea is that she contributed to the role that her husband gained in the community. Who she was brought credibility to him. So Solomon, this, this kind of woman will, will give, you know, live her life in a way that will move yours forward, bring credibility to um, you. And she makes linen in verse 24, linen garments, and, and sells them and supplies sashes or belts for the merchants. Um, again, just her enterprise is mentioned here, very industrious. Uh, strength and honor are her clothing, 25. She shall rejoice in time to come. Um, the strength speaks, she's stable. She's not an unstable person. She's stable spiritually. She's stable emotionally. She's stable financially. She's stable maritally. She's stable. She brings stability to your life, stability to your marriage, stability to the family. She's clothed with that. She opens her mouth with wisdom. Verse 26. And on her tongue is the law of kindness. When she speaks, you can see she fears the Lord. She speaks, you can see she studies the explicit and implicit and tacit knowledge comes out of her. 
The law of kindness is on her tongue. It's, it's, she's not a gossipy one, not a slanderer one. You know, what she hears stays with her. And when she speaks, she, she, she speaks love. <laughs> she, she's lovingly, she's kind. That's what comes out of her. 27, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And so she knows the ways Along the way, she's very discerning as to the needs of the family. And, and because she's investing, she's aware, she's discerning, and she's, you know, busy, busy doing what God has called her to be. She's not in other people's business. She's taking care of God's business that is entrusted to her, her husband and her family. And then her children, 28, Rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Those who know her best appreciate her the most. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. And in, in the eyes of her family, no other person in the world compares to this virtuous wife or mother, grandmother. And then, let's wind this down. 30. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. And so, charm and, and beauty are references to the external appearances of a woman. And, 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 and that's significant. It's important to all of us. What I was wearing yesterday, my flip-flops and my surf shorts and my tank top, and I didn't comb my hair yesterday. I didn't shave yesterday. Um, I'll stop there. But, I, you know, I, I, I just, today was a different day. I know my audience. I know what today is about. I got up early. I did some reading and, and, and prepping. I, I put on... I even have an order in my closet to shirts, so I, getting older, I might wear the same shirt twice. I, I got an order to all of that. I think about you. I want to come and, and be who you would expect me to be. Is that okay to use me as an example? Does that make sense? There is an appropriate place, an appropriate time, an appropriate setting where we can show people, I appreciate you. I'm ready. I would never show up in flip-flops and shorts and a Hawaiian shirt to do your funeral. The virtuous woman is, is discerning of this. At each stage and each phase of life, externally, she dresses and carries herself in a very appropriate way. So make sure you find a woman that is not obsessed with her outward beauty because there's something inward here that he's getting at as well. Beauty is passing. It's temporary. But she's still putting herself together. Charm is deceitful. Charm speaks of, of attraction, of appeal. Some live their entire life worried about what others think about them.
Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man is a snare. If you go through the book of Proverbs, you're at the end, you go to the beginning right about now, and you're like, well, the only thing I should be fearing is God. <laughs> and the closing you know, comments here, find, find a woman that's not all about what others think about her. What matters is what God's, how, how God views her. And if she focuses on that, the external appearances, as they change throughout life, you're going to see that inner beauty. And yeah, she'll, she'll dress for the occasion along the way. She won't dress in her 60s like she did in her 20s, guys, just so we're clear, okay? If she does, you need to sit her down and have a little chat. I'll leave that one alone. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. A virtuous woman who fears the Lord and just lives out a few of these principles here that we have. There's more in the book of Proverbs, but these is what God has in mind. Is going to be recognized for all of that. What a beautiful promise. Lord, thank you for just a, a few moments going through a very, very, I believe, pointed and timely passage. As we live in this uh, world today that is driven by so many different narratives, marriages and families, so much influence from a godless world that creeps in. We thank you for the direct counsel of your word. Um, I pray this morning as we close out this time that we would leave this place today being encouraged that, that what we have been reminded of or maybe heard for the first time, we'd fully embrace that and and for the moms and the grandmothers here, um, man, we just pray that they would feel so special. I don't know, I can't remember who said it, but it's the, the quote, the, the hand that rocks the cradle shapes the world. And so, Lord, bless, bless our moms. May they know that um, they're loved and they're appreciated and in the different ways we're going to be expressing that today, may they feel their worth and their value. And um, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's all stand. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Have a wonderful celebration, whatever you do.